0: The first breakout story, if you will, to use your term here, was signing with Borussia Dortmund, BVB, BVB, so one of the top German Bundesliga football clubs and working with them. And then just lately, we also signed with Dennis Schröder as another as another client of ours.
1: This is the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast, showcasing outstanding startups and initiatives in the global sports tech ecosystem. From Sports tech X, the leading source for data and insights about sports tech. Here is your host, Roan Malhotra.
2: All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast. This is your host today, Roan. And as always, we begin, well, I can't say we're beginning of the year, it's already March, but we have a season here at Sports Tech X when we get into our reporting structures. We always at the first quarter of the year we publish our European, North American, and Asia Pacific this year. Last year it was the Asian Sports Tech Report. This year is the Asia Pacific. We expanded our boundaries and our worlds a little bit this time. But as part of kicking off that series, this week, we're featuring somebody. That we're talking to in our European Sports Tech report, which, if all things go well, will have already been released by the time you listen to this episode. Now it's due; it's out on the I think of or tenth uh, of March, and you will listen to this after that. So, as part of the European Sports Tech report, what we want to do is talk about everything that's happening in the European Sports Tech market. And one of the most interesting things that Ben and I have been talking about on our live shows and on our podcast is this world of fan tokens. Is this world of NFTs in sport, different ways in which fans are engaging with their sports teams. And on today's episode, I'm very interested and excited to talk to Thomas Euler of Liquidity Team, who will tell us what they do in this space and especially a couple of interesting use cases that they have done. Thomas will also maybe educate you better than I can on what NFTs are and what fan tokens are, but we'll get there in a minute. First of all, I have to welcome Thomas to the show. How are you doing, Thomas?
0: Hello, nice to be on your show. I'm very appreciated for being here and I'm doing pretty, pretty well.
2: That is good to know. Okay, before we get to what liquidity is, Thomas, maybe you'll help me out here. Quickly, can you tell me what Van token is? What is NFT? What on earth am I talking about?
0: I can help you out uh, once upon a time, like two, three years ago, I, I even wrote a thing called the token classification framework because people were uh-huh. were interchanging. They were talking about cryptocurrencies and altcoins and, coins and, uh-huh. and the, the word token was used like, or, or, or coin was used for, for everything in the same way. And I tried to make sure in this publication, which you still find on, on medium that, Hey, it is clearly only one, or there are many different varieties of tokens. And one thing for Instance, what we are doing at Liquidity, and we can go into more detail later on, is what I would classify as a community token. And today you will see uh, another terminology social token springing up, which is more or less a, a digital object that you can use within a specific application, but because of the interoperability that comes with blockchain also in in multiple environments and and platforms. Then when you talk about NFTs, NFT means non-fungible token and a non-fungible token is essentially a unique digital
2: object. Very, very interesting and quite a nice summary, I have to say. Lots of interesting topics were introduced and we'll dive into some of them. But that's essentially it, right? What you said. These are new age fan collectibles, right? Instead of baseball cards and all those, I don't know if you ever collected wrestling cards, WWE and WWEF. I did a lot of that. Oh, I it's did. It. Actually, yeah, I did. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Brett the Hitman Hart. Shout out to him. He was my favorite wrestler. I don't know who yours was, Thomas. But, uh, yeah, I
0: had Brett the Hitman Hart and quite, and quite some others. And I regularly get uh, some emails from a friend of mine who has them currently in his basement and now doesn't want to give them back. But let's see.
2: Maybe that's because they're worth a lot of money. Maybe that's what he's holding onto them for. But we will get to that. So essentially, coming back to, without losing our train of thought too much, no, what we're talking about is different ways in which fans can engage with their sports teams and properties and all of that. And digital collectibles is the new age version of those playing cards, of those postcards, of all those stickers and memorabilia that we bought when we were younger and our parents and their parents bought at different periods of time. And as Thomas said, these are available in a multiple, in a variety of formats. NFT is one of them. Social tokens are one. There is fan tokens in, in other ways, voting tokens, all sorts of things which is happening. And we're going to unpack some of that, but most interestingly, talk about the liquidity team and what they do in this space. All right, Thomas, there we go. And our, our prolonged intro is over. Now I want to know about you. Tell me, what, do you, how, what brought you into this space? What has attracted you to all of these interesting jargons that we just described?
0: So I have to admit, I'm a a bit nerdy and geeky by nature. And my first job, which I did for 10 years, was in consulting, digital transformation consulting, as you would nowadays probably call it. And so I was following all the digital trends and I helped all these established institutions, banks, car makers, and so on to understand them. And that is why I I knew about blockchain and Bitcoin and all this from from super early on. And I have to admit, I, I didn't buy any Bitcoin back then, didn't mine any, but... I did follow the space loosely. And around 2015, people started talking about concepts like smart contracts or digital autonomous organizations. And that was when I really started research, dig into the space and I got pretty hooked. And uh, then in 2017, I decided to focus full time on this space. I... Started a, a network organization called Untitled Inc. where we assembled people from different backgrounds. And more or less out of this, Liquidity Team started. And I have to I have to say it's probably another sidetrack. I'm a huge, huge NBA fan, and I've been mm-hmm. analyzing the digital media and, and startup space for quite some time on a blog that I did for a while called Attention Economy. So so essentially what liquidity team is for me personally is a nice merging together of these fields, right, of technology, blockchain, and NBA fandom. So that was a quick wrap-up to give you some background on me.
2: Nice, interesting. I mean, I can totally believe that this is a space that you have to be technically interested in, uh, or you call yourself a nerd or a geek. I feel like I'm the same in different ways, or maybe the same ways as well. But you have to be interested in in the science and the technology behind it to be able to implement a solution around it. But at the first, we're also sports fans, which is the core of it. But all right, cool. So that's where you came from. You came from this interest in the crypto world. And now tell me, what does liquidity actually do? What is the problem that you are solving and how do you solve it? Sure.
0: So when we look at the sports world, the one thing that we are seeing is for one, you need... Or you have a big change in audience behavior. Audiences, especially the millennial Gen Z generation, has a very different means of consuming uh, media and entertainment. For instance, they are on Twitch. And on Twitch, they do things like using Super Chat to make sure the creator they, they love so much gives them a shout out. So it's very interactive. It's digital first. And the sports world, or at least parts of the sports world, in our opinion and experience, are not super well adapted to this world. They really have a problem how to reach these For instance, in Germany, you just recently had an initiative that looked at the future of professional football where their diagnosis is, hey, we really have a problem attracting these young audiences and reaching them in an appropriate way. And that goes to, I mean, I don't know from your own experience, but you probably see that many, many people, including myself, by the way, as I said before, I'm, I'm a huge NBA fan. I watch games. I do have a League Pass subscription, but also I don't have that much time to watch all the games. And still I try to be embedded, but I do it by means of social media, by listening to to podcasts. So audience behavior is changing and the sports clubs need different ways to to connect with their audiences. Or I, I should say sports entities, right? The same is true for the league level, association level, and even the individual athlete, which is probably a bit of another story, but we can talk about this too. So, We see this Problem. And the second follow up problem is, of course, you need a digital revenue stream if you want to reach your audiences in the digital realm. And yeah. our strong conviction is that the traditional way of broadcasting revenues and sponsorship revenues will continue to be one part of your revenue mix, but it will not be the, the entire one. And you need new digital revenue models. So, long story short, at Liquidity, we saw this and we also saw hey, what is happening in the token space, in the blockchain space, where you have these new social interaction models and these new ways to organize community. And we thought, well, there is a perfect fit to sports because what do you have in sports? You have fans who are really, really passionate about what their favorite club or their favorite athletes are doing. And now with the mechanism of a, a token, a rare scarce or even unique digital object, you can build something like in the blockchain world, you will come across the term access token. So a digital Mm -hmm. object that you can acquire or even hand out or sponsor to fans that gives them access to exclusive either experiences or ways to interact with their club or the athlete they love so much. So, and all this we took into account and we started to build our product LT Fan Platform, which is a customizable uh, solution that you can use to build your own fan platform or fan community with ease
2: and i think that's such an interesting theme that you've touched upon you've you've covered a lot of broad topics there let me unpack them one by one connecting with younger fans is the remit is the base requirement for all these sports teams and leagues right and they're looking for new ways to do it and the digital way of connecting exactly what you said is the way forward and now adding a revenue layer on top of that that makes a powerful potent combination which i think is a, such a Interesting theme that you've caught on. So kudos to you guys for spotting this so early. I'm I'm relatively new to this game, I would say. We only spotted it maybe in the last six months or so. And you all have been working on it in much longer than that. And why this has become topical as well is, and you mentioned this earlier in the piece, companies like NBA Top Shot, companies like SoRare have, have raised millions of dollars and are trading all sorts of new assets which makes this a very interesting world to tap into, which is why I'm so glad you're here today to talk about it. But all right, let's coming back to you. Tell us about your big successes. What have been some of the great uh, breakout stories that you've experienced in the last, I'd say, 12, 18 months?
0: Sure. I mean, the, the first breakout story, if you will, to use your term here, was signing with Borussia Dortmund, BVB, BVB, so one of the top German Bundesliga football clubs and working with them. And then just lately, we also signed with Dennis Schroeder as another, as another client of ours. So Dennis Schroeder, for those of you who are not following the NBA, he is the, the point guard of the LA Lakers. So the defending NBA champion and the best and most famous German basketball player of our time. So these were definitely from a, from a business and company standpoint, the two, the two major milestones. And probably, probably also show that the play we develop goes in different directions or is applicable in different environments. Because you have the club side, and I laid this out clearly, but also on the player side, you see in the U.S. the term "player empowerment" as a term that has sprung up recently, and mm-hmm. players understand, or at least certain types of athletes, that they have a not only the possibility to connect with their audience directly in the digital realm, but also that they can use this audience to get stuff in. Motion and this, of course, has a social activism component, but also it has a has a business component because you see all these partnerships between direct to consumer startups and athletes, or even athletes venturing into direct to consumer businesses themselves. So there is a very interesting field that we are getting into, but I'm dabbling. So
2: interesting, but I think the the first partnerships that you announced are already huge. I mean, the BVB one is is a I mean, I'm one that I'm excited. But tell me, did you get some? tickets in the yellow wall as part of your agreement Can I and most importantly can i jump in on those tickets if you have any
0: oh definitely but we need to <laughs> uh, have covid being over but then
2: yeah we'll get there at some point i just want to know that the tickets are there that they're accessible for now let's small victories and we'll take them but very cool i mean i think the, those are two big partnerships that i know of course that you all have announced recently and it's great to see this this conversation gaining momentum
1: Stay up to date with all things sports tech and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get a monthly breakdown of the most important developments in the global sports tech ecosystem, paired with exclusive interviews with industry leaders. Get all of this and more delivered directly to your inbox. Sign up today at sportstechx.com.
2: But I mean, on the, on the flip side, so that's some of the wins that you've had. Tell me some of the challenges, some of the losses that you've faced. Or sometimes I ask this question differently. Uh, what has been a really good piece of advice that you've given on your start, that you were given on your startup journey?
0: Sure. So, I mean, the, the first challenge and, and one that is definitely expectable, but still worth p- pointing out is you, you have to be super, super mindful of, of fan reactions when you roll out things like this because you have to involve your fans from the very first point in time. So so something that I always say to our team and our team to be to be very honest lives and breathes by this is let's put the fan and the fan experience first and that is how we approach Mm -hmm. our product design but but then still if you introduce something new then you will have some some questions around it and these need to be well answered and that is of course something where with our clients we work on on doing this but of course we also experienced some kind of some kind of pushback and then of course good communication as is so often the case in life is the way to answer this and another challenge that we are facing or a good advice that i have gotten is basically very closely related to this. So our business model is a B2B business and our platform is a B2B2C. So we give software to clubs, to athletes, which they use to address their fans. And when designing this really focus on the end user because in the digital realm, the demand sign is the be all end all. So you want to do something that is so good that people love using it, that it's really good for them. And that is what we do from a product standpoint. But this also means sometimes you will get questions from, from your clients where they have demands and they say, Hey, it would be cool to do this, but it's not really driven by the user experience, but it is driven by other motivations. And here you have to be able to find the right balance because of course, we want to make our, our clients super happy, but we also need to have these strong convictions about what fans want, because that is the only way to make a club successful. And, and frankly speaking, if I look at the sports tech market, that is also something where I personally sometimes see a, see a lack of, and this might have to do with the fact that I'm coming from the site, right? I didn't grow up in the sports business primarily, but in the digital business, we have other people in our team who come from the sports side. But, but me personally, I, I think it's so, so important to focus on this and to not just take what has been working in your industry and translate it to the digital space, but to approach digitization and digital product design with the end user in mind.
2: A couple of really important topics you touched there, Thomas, which I, I, to be honest, I loved hearing. Number one, putting the fan at the center of everything that you build. And if you do it right, then you're really taking care care of your audience, your core audience. Number two, you also said basically something to the effect of you don't always say yes To your client especially when dealing with b2b clients i know it can be sensitive but you have to be able to say hey listen trust me on this i know you want something maybe your commercial department or your marketing team wants this but maybe this is not the best idea yeah those are important things And that is
0: something, I mean, where it helps me a lot personally, that I worked in consulting for quite some time because it was my job to also challenge ideas of clients. But the the way to do it is not just to say no, and it doesn't work, but of course you show alternatives and you give good reasoning. And that is something we try to to implement as well, because in the end, we we have a joint interest with our clients and this goes even up to our business model. We succeed when they succeed. And so we are sitting together in the same boat and uh, want to make it successful. and, And that creates a lot of incentive alignment to introduce a term that is also popular in the blockchain space. But even without blockchain, right, we try to get this across to our clients so that if we have these kind of discussions where we say probably take it, let's take this approach rather than the other approach. Yeah, sometimes you have discussions, but most of the time you can find
2: solutions. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I actually, on a side note, I came from a consulting background myself. My first job was at KPMG doing management consulting. So I'm very much in agreement with, with all of those ideas. You have to really make it a conversation and, and establish a clear motive that this is win-win if we do it right. And just doing what what sounds right or feels right to one particular part of the whole pie isn't always the way forward. All right, good stuff. Okay, so we've covered a, a couple of important heavy topics. I want to know what's coming up for you guys now. So obviously, you've already got Borussia Dortmund, who I cannot wait to get to the Westfalen or the Sigland and as it's now called. It's one of the stadiums that I've been yearning to get to at some point in time. Hopefully, it'll happen soon. Uh, but you have them, you have Dennis Schroeder. What next? Is this just some more European teams that you've got a lineup up with that you're trying to sign?
0: Yeah, watch out for some announcements in the future. Also, by, by the way, not every every brand we are working with or every club entity we are working with is, is a top star. We will start something with a rather small G- German team pretty, pretty soon. And then, of course, we... Are looking for, for more clubs. So, from a di- business standpoint, to give you an idea where we are currently at and what our core mission for the next, let's say, 12 to 18 months is, we want to get as many entities on board to build their own communities on our technology. And in doing so, in doing so, why do, or why do we want this? Of course, it's sales and a best business practice, but also we need to fine-tune our solution right now and really get as many entities building, we want to understand how do you want to use it? We have built, I think a pretty cool toolkit, which of course will improve in the future even more as we continue to build but we need to get it out in the open in different use cases. So one thing that we recently did just to allow me to do some plugging here, we launched the early adopter club and the early adopter club is our way to tackle this problem because we cannot spin out uh, uh, at the current point, like like thousands of instances and make it available in in self-service yet but we are looking for partners who really are motivated to do, to do this to connect to their audiences in this new way and uh, we offer them to be work really closely with our team our product development team for now and we will we will take them by the hand to build up ideally successful use cases for over the over the next month and that is our our key challenge right now to do it and I think it's a good a good approach to take because it, it underscores what I said before. It's really about a, a partnership and a close collaboration.
2: Yeah, can't wait to see what you guys uh, get up to in in the course of the next year or so. We have a bit of time. So I'm going to, before I jump into my last question, I have one side note for you because this is so topical and we really kind of touched it right at the top of the show. Everybody's heard about MBA Top Shot or if you haven't, if you're living under some rock, go check out this story. This is a company <laughs> that was launched in partnership with the MBA basically has grossed over $230 million in sales or in in transactions on their platform, uh, over 100 million of which are over the last six weeks. So I've set the context for you that it's big, right? Now what is it exactly? Basically it's you're buying highlight clips, right? They have these little packs, the same way that limited edition packs of playing cards used to work back in the day, you have these little packs of highlight clips that are launched or that are dropped, I think is the term that they use, on their platform. And it's, I think, one, it'll be one of, say, 79 or one of 300 or something like that. I forget the numbers. But you can buy edition number one or edition number two of this little highlight clip. And what is the highlight clip? It'll be maybe a five to six second clip of, I don't know, Damien Lillard uh, shooting from the NBA logo, a buzzer beater, as he he did uh, just yesterday in the All-Star game. Or uh, Zion Williamson with a big dunk from the left block or something like that, whatever it is, these limited edition moments are available as highlight clips, which people are paying a lot of money for. So quickly to you, Thomas, would you buy or would you spend, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars for a highlight clip that you could see on YouTube for free?
0: Ah, man, look, that is the story of of missed opportunities. So I've been on the, because the guys making it are the Dapper Lab people and and they are the inventors
2: of CryptoKitties. Exactly. Yeah, you spoke about that at the top of the show, yeah. Yeah, so I, I
0: i have been following them from, from long before the product was released and uh, seeing how, how the market evolved right now, I could have jumped on early, bought, bought a bunch of packs and, and done probably a good deal or two. I didn't buy them myself and I can get into why not, even though I think the, the, the case is interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't buy it because frankly, I, I didn't like it, the, the pack logic because it was too much of a translation of something that worked in the analog way to the digital world. And also having these highlight clips and you don't really have them. That to me is the fundamental issue with it. You have them on a blockchain, you can trade them on a peer-to-peer marketplace, but still the same highlight can be on YouTube and you can watch it there. I think the play going forward that could be super interesting is what I call micro-licensing. Micro-licensing meaning imagine you would really own this moment and then you could implement or you would have to implement the standard that is accepted by big media platforms. But if you would own, say, the Damien Lillard buzzer beater from, from the middle of the ground and then you get some royalties, if uh, right. somebody mentions it in a tweet and this comes from a pool, Twitter is paying. If a private blog features it, you get nothing. And if ESPN shows it, you get a lot. This is where display with video clips can become very interesting. In its current form or, or in the collectible space per se, I'm more fond of the of the implementations and the strategies where you see the makers saying, Hey, I add more than just a digital media item that I hash on the blockchain, but I also give some utility to the Mm collectible. So, so rare, for instance, has these player cards that you can use in a fantasy sport-ish kind of experience. And that is where I personally am more bullish on because very often in innovation, you see these things, right? Like Yahoo took the concept of the phone book and translated it to the to the digital space. But really the way to solve the problem of discovery was then made by Google, who made a digital native solution. And I think the same is true for collectibles.
2: Very interesting point. And I I could not agree more. I think the idea of just these clips and collectibles in isolation, I mean, we were having the same conversation internally and I was like, so then it's just another thing that I buy whether it's a because, I I mean, we're trying to declutter life and that's a different conversation that most people are having today where you don't want too many things. But if it's a thing that is useful that I can adapt, yeah, maybe if I'm a fantasy sports guy or I'm a betting guy or I engage in sports in different ways and it helps me there, and maybe I see the use case. So, but of
0: course, we could be wrong. Let's keep l- let's be open to to being wrong here because baseball cards, like the physical analog baseball, or, or in general sports trading cards, they have a huge hype in the U.S. currently, and you see some for changing owners for for six and even seven figure amounts. So,
2: sure. I mean, Thomas, I I don't know if it's so much about right or wrong. It's about individual users. I think there are some sure. people who like to collect, and I'm just not somebody who would collect for the sake of collecting. But that, that does not mean that collecting does not have value. Of course, that, that does. Sports and non-sports, there is a ton of value in antiques in general. So maybe these things will, as we've already seen, appreciate in value significantly. But for me personally, I would say I need a bit more than just a collectible. But fair point. Just because we don't, might not jump into one, doesn't mean there isn't a ton of value already out there in the ecosystem. All right, Thomas, last question for the day. And usually it's my favorite one that I like to end on. Can you tell me what has been your favorite sporting moment, either one that you watched live or were part of yourself, that you participated in somehow? Tell me, I'm super curious. I have a feeling it'll have something to do with basketball, maybe?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, my early sporting moments were indeed football related and there were quite some, but I remember mostly the painful ones. Uh, like Bayern, Munich, Manchester United, but uh, no, I I will tell you what my favorite moment is that comes to mind. It's the 2014 San Antonio Spurs Championship which was the rematch for the lost finals against Lebron James and uh, Miami uh, in 2013, which was such a painful, painful loss because the Spurs already looked like the clear winner of the series and then the Ray Allen shot and the rest is history. And then 2014, the entire season essentially is this moment because I loved this team. It was just such a unity of of uh, players and, and you saw how they willed themselves to come back, play an incredible season. Yeah, I think that is uh, my, my fairy tale, sports fairy tale, and favorite sporting
2: moment. Very cool. If I'm not mistaken, was there was a fourth or fifth championship that they were going for, and they had obviously had an incredible run through the 2000s uh, and late uh, and the 2010s. Yeah, great team, great yeah. series. Nice, nice pick that one. Also, I have to say that the one moment that you mentioned before, the a moment of deep sorrow for you, was a moment of uh, exceptional joy for me because as a Manchester United fan, that kind of <laughs> explains it all.
0: Oh, right, so, so i'm happy i didn't pick this one
2: <laughs> it's fair it's actually come up on, on the show a couple of times so even if you did not somebody else has i have that moment already <laughs> um, but uh, Thomas it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today man so good to talk to you about very topical topics that was quite an alliteration but no great to hear from you and full power to you and your liquid team
0: cool thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure and keep on the good work here
2: Thank you so much. And for everybody else, if you want to know more about Thomas, the links will be shared on the podcast. But also, interestingly, like I mentioned at the top of the show, they are going to be featured in our European Sports Tech Report as a company to look out for. Make sure you check that out when that drops. But there's only one edition, so you can download it free from our website. All right, guys, that's enough for today's episode. See you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to the Sports Tech All Stars podcast with Roan Maholtra. If you like our show, let us know and leave a review. And if you want to know more about us, check out SportsTechX.com, where you can find our latest industry reports and updates. For a deeper dive into all things sports tech, check out our comprehensive database, SportsTechDB, at SportsTechDB.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at SportstechX on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Join us next time for another insightful conversation with a leader in sports tech.